Well, welcome to A Coach's Perspective. This is Jenny Hopkins, and a listener, I have missed you. We were preempted last week with the Springfield Cardinals, but we want to wish them the best of the luck as they continue with their season. And, and we also want to thank the talented Andrew Buckbinder. He is so generous and does such a nice job letting us go on right before his pregame talks. Um, this show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank, and they're our presenting sponsor. We're very grateful for Joe Turner and Kelly Polonis and all the team members over at Great Southern Bank. They are excellent teammates in this adventure. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com. Member FDIC. Other sponsors that we'll talk about throughout the show, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Graff Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. So we have a great show tonight on tap. I'm very excited about my studio guests. Before we get to them, let me recap a little bit from the last show. We talked Baseball 101. When you think baseball, who are you going to talk to? You're going to talk to Keith Gutton. So Keith Gutton was here, and we talked the entire hour about baseball. You can go listen to that episode on the website, acoachesperspective.com, or you can listen to it on Apple iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, or on Helium Satellite Radio. All right, so tonight... Oh, excuse the cheesy intro. We're stepping up to the tee box, and we're taking a, a little bit of a, a, a turn on looking at the game of golf and the state of the game of golf. Uh, there's a lot going on right now um, in golf, and so we are we have two people in the studio that are well-versed on this. I have done a lot of homework for this show, but I think I'm also going to walk away learning a lot from this show. Um, so no stranger to this show or, or the airwaves around here. We want to welcome PGA golf instructor Rick Grayson. Glad you could make it tonight. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to the It's the a good discussion. thing it's over 100 degrees, or you'd probably be on the course right now. That's exactly right. Yep, <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that you are here. Um, and also, you know, just probably traveling back and probably getting ready to head out again soon, we caught you um, a good timing to catch you in Springfield. We're very excited to have a professional caddy here with us heath holt is joining us tonight thanks for having me on guys well i you know heath i'm going to start with you first um currently right now you caddy um for Charles schwartzel and he is um one of the golfers that he's very talented and one of the golfers we're going to talk about tonight because we're going to talk a little bit about the pga and this live golf organization and how they are trying to coexist together but not doing it very well. So we're going to talk a little bit about both organizations and see um, what direction this might go from your all's unique perspective. You know, as as a PGA instructor, as a caddy, you both have very unique perspectives, and this is your world. And so we're very interested to hear what you think about this. So you caddy for Charles, and, and Charles is part of the LIV, and he actually won the first event in England. Tell us just, first of all, a little bit about that, um, this new organization you're caddying. You're there. He wins the tournament. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, first and foremost, the people that run LIV, the LIV tour, it is first class all the way. Um, there's no, they don't leave any stone unturned on what they could do for both players, caddies, and the players' families and friends. Um, my experience, obviously, winning in England was a life changing event for me. So, of course, I'm going to sing the praises from the hilltops. Um, I. Thoroughly enjoyed every second being in England, being just north of London. The golf course was uh, its called Centurion Club. It was a lot of fun to be there and to get back in the hunt again in a tournament and feel that pressure is something that I'll always remember. 
And you've been with the PGA um, as a caddy since 1997. That's a long time. You've had a lot of experience. You, you've caddied with several different golfers. Tell me, what did you see as, as probably the biggest difference? Was, was that the biggest difference was how they treated a lot of the players? And uh, The treatment on the PGA Tour from a caddy standpoint has progressively gotten better, so I really can't throw any shade toward the PGA Tour itself. However, this tour has gone above and beyond. Um, you stay in the same room with the players at the golf course. You're allowed in the locker room. Just the overall treatment. And I know logistically that can't happen at some PJ Tour events because there's a lot more players. You have to remember the LIB League only has 48 players and 48 caddies. So there's a lot less people to look after. So logistically, it makes it a lot easier. However, uh, we're, we're treated like I've never been treated like that before at a tournament. Yeah. It's, uh, well, congratulations on that victory. That uh, that had to be that's that's a first that will never be taken away. <laughs> right. Well, sure. it's pretty exciting because not only did Charles win the individual part, but then the team finished first, second, and third, and there was actually uh, prize money for that as well. Right. So it was well, that. That's why I think you saw as much drama is there as people don't want to admit it, but when you're playing for that much money, it. It makes a difference. It brings out your weaknesses. You'll you'll find out who can handle the situations and who can't. And individually cashed in for $4 million. Um, and even last place brought in six figures. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, and I want to do a little bit of a comparison. Um, but, you know, just in general, um, first of all, if, if a lot of people are not quite aware of what we're talking about, I'm going to have Professor Rick Grayson here. <laughs> I want you to give us just kind of a general, if, if, if you're talking to someone that doesn't know much about the PGA and LIV and, and what this controversy is, can you give us just a snapshot of what is happening and kind of a brief overview of why there's some, some controversy? And then we'll dive into the details. Well, actually, the the LIV idea or concept, I believe, happened uh, 25 or 30 years ago with Greg Norman wanting to have a world golf tour. And uh, back when uh, the the commissioner of the PGA Tour really kind of uh, downplayed it, didn't think it was a good thing for the PGA Tour, uh, Greg Norman kind of um, went out and tried to solicit uh, organizations that may start another tour. And what's kind of sad about it, what Greg Norman was asking 25 or 30 years ago, the PGA Tour has adopted a lot of those things that he was recommending, even though the tour at the time said, no, we don't want to go in that direction, but they ended up doing it. So he had a lot of great ideas, and uh, Greg is basically, I would say, the commissioner of the LIV Tour, and uh, it's a it's a separate tour that's just started, just like uh, we mentioned earlier there's 48 players that are playing. I'm, I'm expecting that number to grow. It's funded by the Saudi Arabia money. Uh, they play in, what, eight events right now is what's scheduled. Uh, this year, eight this year. Yeah, this year, and I'm sure that's going to continue to grow. But it's kind of like, in a nutshell, it's like uh, spawning off another league of its own away from the PGA Tour, and they're trying to attract some of the better players from the PGA Tour to play on the on the Live Tour. And... Uh, uh, again, I don't know if that's a great definition of it, but it's, 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 it's kind of, uh, taken some of the, the best players from the PGA tour and they've decided to play in another tour. And, uh, that's the controversy. And the difficulty is that they can't, they, right now, the PGA does not want them to play in both. So if they are associating Correct. with the LIV, they are not welcome to play in the PGA tour. That's so right. that, that's the, I think the crux of it is as well. Um, LIV, so, Tell it Roman numeral uh, 54. Um, that's two part. 
tell us what uh, what that means well the 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 live is the roman numerals for 54 one of the names came from the having a 54 hole events instead of 72 holes they're doing they're doing 54 holes obviously uh, another side of that is if they if a player birdied every hole i'm sure with this this help of a great caddy they would birdie every hole oh yeah he's got the winner of the liv tour right there with him so if he has a great caddy like that you birdied every hole you'd shoot 54 so uh that was another concept of it i like that very and good one of the main guys with liv in london during the trophy presentation got up and said if anybody shoots 54 they will there will be a 54 million dollar bonus oh my goodness wow wow Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Can I ask you a question? You please. T- tell me how you hooked up with Charles. So a good friend of mine, Skip Kendall, actually the first yep. guy I caddied for, uh, we've stayed in touch over the years. I worked nine straight years for Skip right out of college. And he is now, he still plays on the Champions Tour some, mm-hmm. but he's kind of delved into the coaching side of things, of the game. So he went to work with Charles on his putting. Skip lives in Orlando. Charles has a home down in Jupiter, Florida. So through a connection um, also with clear golf balls, um, Skip is an ambassador for them, and Charles also plays the ball and is an ambassador. So a mutual friend set Skip up to meet with Charles and work on his putting. And during that time, he said, I think Charles trying out caddies. Are you interested in working for Charles? And at the time, I was on working on the Champions Tour for Cameron Beckman, mm-hmm. but I was also working on the regular tour for Vaughn Taylor. Unfortunately, last fall, Von Taylor got hurt, and he couldn't continue to play, so I kind of found myself out of a job. So I needed to make some moves, and Cameron Beckman, it's a long, drawn-out story, but we actually played some high school golf together up in Minnesota. He got my number from another caddy and said, would you like, because I've known Cameron my whole life, and he's like, can you come and caddy? So mm-hmm. I did four events on the Champions Tour last year and then two to start this year and skipped through my name in the hat with Charlotte, and sure enough, Congratulations. So, <laughs> that's awesome. It, it, he, you get on, I got a three tournament trial. We missed all three cuts. <laughs> and he kept you. And he kept me. Yeah. Um, he, we started back in Augusta, and that's where I think he kind of refocused and realized who he was again and put in the proper work. And obviously, he's had success being a Masters champion. He feels very right. confident and comfortable at Augusta. And he's like, he, he just basically said, I'm comfortable here. So yep. we end up finishing having a top 10 at Augusta. We played in the last group on Saturday with Scotty Scheffler, who eventually won the tournament. And then he was off to the races. We only missed one more cut after that. We had two top, two top 10s. And then the idea of the live golf came up, and Charles saw the opportunity of a lifetime for himself and his family. And he, he did what was best for him and his family and made the move and took me along. Did, did he get injured after he won the match? Because being a golf fan, it seemed like, and maybe he didn't, but it seemed like, he kind of fell off the face of the earth as far as his playing ability. And I always kind of, and then he comes back. I, I remember the great finish at Augusta. And then obviously when he won the first event, was he injured through that time period or was he, he was. changing his swing? Or well, where, where, you where know, did he go? You've been around the game long enough to understand that there's some things that can derail careers. Mm-hmm. And he's had a 20 year career. He, he earned his European tour card at the age of 18. Wow. So by the, he's already played for 20 years professional golf so any long career you're going to have setbacks mm-hmm. whether it's you hate to say it a divorce an right. injury equipment change yeah. and i think a lot of guys you know the enemy of good is better right. when good is good enough you stick with it and obviously he won the masters and he mm-hmm. also won the Valspar tournament in tampa 
Mm-hmm. So he's a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. That being said, he's won 13 or 14 other times around the world. So he was injured. Mm-hmm. He did make a club change. And sometimes that isn't good moves. You right. know, sometimes right. that doesn't pay they off. Go back. In an effort to try to get better, you get worse. Yeah. So I think... Well, and sometimes it's an implementation healthy. dip, you know, where there's a little bit of a sure. dip, but the longevity of your change can pay off. I think basically he was hurt. He missed out on a year, if not a year and a half. And I think that that drove him to work even harder. And when this opportunity with Liv came around, he's like, okay, I've done this for 20 years. This is an opportunity. I can and, and, you know, sometimes since this is a coaching show, sometimes when an athlete gets injured, they try to play through it, and in, in any sport, but particularly golf, they change or alter their swing to favor their injury or their right. their uh, limitation, so to speak, and it throws everything off, and then it takes them a long time to Well, his to bread and butter back. is the ball striker. He's probably got one of the – I'm sure you've gone over his swing yeah. lots on Beautiful. video and broke it down. I mean, he's probably Beautiful. one of the classic swingers of all time. That's fantastic. And when you, when you can't practice, you yep. lose that. Yeah. That's right. That so, is true. Right. That is true. All right, we're going to continue. We're going to pick your brain all night. <laughs> we're going to pick it. both of your brains, and we're going to continue talking about the PGA and the LIV and all of this that's going on in the world of golf. So we'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective with Rick Grayson and Heath Holt, and I want to thank Great Southern again for being our presenting sponsor. We'll be right back on A Coach's Perspective. Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective. This is Jenny Hopkins, and I'm very excited to have Rick Grayson and Heath Holt here in the studio with me tonight. We're talking a little PGA LIV, and unless you've been in a cave, you know that that is a big discussion right now that is going on in the world of golf. So we kind of got the foundational, um, I think we've got the groundwork laid, that we we kind of know um, a little bit about each one and how the, you know how this has become a discussion in this world. So, but I kind of want to take a tiny little detour um, and we're going to come back to the PGA and LIV, but I'm excited to have a professional caddy on. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, working with some of the best golfers in the world. Um, that, that has got to be exciting and it's got to be thrilling, but it's also a job and it's a, it's business. It's a responsibility. So tell me what it is that, um, that you enjoy about your job as a caddy. I actually enjoy the process, the, getting prepared, learning the course, because there's not a whole lot you can do as a caddy because you, you never get to hit a shot, but you can influence a player, you can scare a player, and you can also build some confidence in a player. Uh, the thing that I've always said about caddy, and I got two rules, I, I want to be as decisive as I can, and I want my player to be as committed as possible. A lot of times in golf, you'll end up maybe making the choosing the wrong club, but if you're fully committed, somehow it, it works out. When you hit a bunch of uncommitted shots, uh, number one, you can't learn from it. And number two, it goes against everything you've done to prepare for that event. So we might, might as well not have burnt our skin out on the, off <laughs> on the driving range and spent all this time if you're just going to willy nilly hit shots that we haven't even discussed or hit uncommitted shots. So for me, obviously I enjoy the excitement of being in contention. Um, I enjoy obviously the money that comes along if you play well. Um, Everybody, I mean, I'm not doing this. I, this is my job. Right. So, um, and I have a family that I need to take care of. So, um, many nights away, and it, when you're in contention and you pull through and you 
see what you've worked up to right. and it works under pressure, that's the most rewarding side for me. How do you, how do you keep your cool? <laughs> that's what I want to I've always tell myself. I watch the caddies. I've explained smooth. it pretty easily like this. I I'm at an amusement park and we're gonna, I'm gonna put my player on this really scary roller coaster. I put him on it, buckle him in, and then I walk around to where he gets off. He does the roller coaster and then I say, how was it? (laughs) Right? Are you okay? Do you need a drink of water? Do you need something to eat? What can I do for you? So for the most part, the reason I I can't lie to you, I do get nervous and I, my heart will sometimes get elevated when you're in these moments. But that's when you can rely on, I walk these courses, I did my homework, I know where the wind's coming from, I understand how this, I know where we need to miss this to, to make par or to finish off a tournament. I've done my work, so that's what I, the real joy comes from being prepared and knowing that you know what to do when the situation really matters. So for those that don't know, like the responsibilities of a caddy, I mean, studying the course and being able to to know uh, the weather conditions and uh, understanding how they swing, understanding what their skills are so that you can suggest clubs. Um, what are some of the responsibilities if people don't know exactly what caddies do? Well, Tom Watson said it best back in the day, said you show up, keep up, and shut up. Right? <laughs> Those were the three rules. But it's changed from then because the game has gotten way more complex with swing monitors and everything else. So my basic responsibility is, is to know the course, Make sure the yardages are right. And the yardage books we use anymore are spot on. There might be something missing here or there. But, but also the strategy. You know, wh- where is the miss? Where do we need to place this tee shot? If the pin's on the back, do we, do we go ahead and bomb it down there because the wedge will spin too much and we can't get to a back pin anyway? You know, having the confidence to step up to a player who might not have their head on right in a tournament and you say, no, remember this pin's on the back. We need to go ahead and bomb it down there. Because you, you do can't mental get coaching too. Well, as a caddy, you wear a lot of hats at times. I don't like that all the time. I mean, I would love to just say I like that club and good shot every single time because that's what really I want to do. But unfortunately, these guys aren't robots, and the situation can sometimes get too big for them. And they have to trust you. They have to trust you and have um, a relationship with you because you're going to tell them what you think, and they may not like it, and they may appreciate it. I mean, it could go both ways, but... They have to be able to trust you enough to be honest. With well, you. sometimes saying what they might not like will actually help them make the decision and they'll totally go against what you want to do. And as a caddy, you just pull that bag away and you smile and you go, this is going to be a good shot because I know he's committed. Right right now, yeah. there's unfortunate things that happen. You know, a puff of wind had happened to us at Augusta this year on the 15th hole in the final day. We had a four iron and the, we knew the wind. It was westerly winds, which is really tough conditions at Augusta. And... We talked about it, and he, he decided to cut it instead of draw it. And he, when he cut it, the wind hit it. The, I saw the flag kind of flash at us, and I'm like, go. And it, it hit on top and did this slow roll of death back into the water. So those things are like, those are player errors. Those guys got to have their go with their gut and trust themselves. He was committed and hit the shot. It just didn't work out. So those are things you can learn from and then move on. It's the, it's the uncommitted shot. I wasn't really ready to hit it and I hit it and then the bad result. That's when you're gonna, you're gonna hear it from your player right. after that. Yeah, I bet so. I bet so. And Rick, you're in the same spot as an instructor. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. You, you, you've written books on the masters. Have you ever written a book on the mental side of the game of golf? <laughs> well, every, every book we've written has mental part of it. Right? But I, I want to go back to just something. Sure. Uh, I'm going to kid you a little bit. I think he's downplaying his role. 
A caddy <laughs> is so important in today's game. It's unbelievable. And I the mean, selection of the caddy. Absolutely. The match, absolutely. I, he's not going to say this, but, but today's world, the professional world of golf, a caddy is worth numerous strokes per round. And here's how difficult this man's job is. He can he can do all of his homework. He can tell you every yardage and everything. And the wind changes either that round or from the morning to the afternoon. And everything he's done work wise is basically basically somewhat out the window because of the the wind. And a caddy today with the technology behind golf, a foot or two here or a yard or two here, can make the difference whether your player gets the green jacket or he or he he doesn't. And uh, a caddy is is so valuable, not only from the homework part of it, the the mental part of it to help the player because every round of golf at a professional level or amateur, there's peaks and valleys. I don't care who you are. There'll be a period of time where you'll play three or four holes where it's a piece of cake and then four or five holes almost like uh, uh, we'll never make another par again. And you've got to ride that ship. And the only person that can ride the ship with the player is the caddy so a, a caddy is tremendous I, I had a friend of mine one time that got a pga tour card and uh, i asked him like who's going to caddy and he said always oh, got i've got somebody that, that i'm going to use and i said biggest mistake in your life you you go out there with a buddy that doesn't really know what he's doing you may lose your card and you may never get it again and you, lose a friendship that's right you need to find the best caddy available for a rookie going out there because there's so many things to learn about these courses and it changes that's what makes his job so difficult it can change the the wind uh, the dryness of the greens you tee off in the morning tee off in the afternoon the surfaces are different uh the the mowing patterns how the how the ball bounces in the fairway and this guy has to know all those things because his player doesn't want to ask him a question and his answer is gosh i don't know that that would be the that would be the kiss of death saying i don't that's never know. happened heath has it uh, never it's happened, happened but it's it's not one of your well they didn't moments, know that's you didn't sure. know right <laughs> right well so how what is it um from your perspective we, we talked about how they need to have a caddy that with a relationship that they trust what do you look for um when you are when you agree to caddy with someone um what what are you looking for someone what kind of characteristics you know I've tried that in the past where like I'm being interviewed for a job. So I'm going to go ahead and interview the player myself and find out exactly, you know, what does he want me to do? Um, am I going to be involved a lot? Cause there's no one way of caddying for a player player. Some players get their own numbers. Some players won't ask you to read putts. Some players won't ask you to help them in practice. I believe in doing a lot of um, simulating game time pressure in practice. Cause I don't, you have to have some way of, whether it costs him, Charles, time or money, you know, because you can't simulate an actual round, but we'll do putting drills. And I'm like, we're not going, we're not leaving until you get through this drill. If we're here for three hours, that's the drill, you know, that's the deal. So um, I think that to answer your question, I don't, there's no real formula player caddy. Everybody's different. Yeah. Um, some guys want you reading every putt. Some guys, they'll send their player to aim point school to learn how to, feel the slope of the green with their feet and how to measure it outright. But then you got to learn how to stimp the greens in the morning. It's a big process. Um, fortunately for me, Charles doesn't ask a whole lot of questions like that. He's sort of settled in. He's like, he's using the broom method putty now and he's, he, it's, he's really taken off. So, but I think where Charles may have asked me for some help was like, 
help me stay focused in practice a little more because I think it'll pay dividends when we're out on the course because there's really not a whole lot of tweak in his swing because it's so good. And he's such a good ball striker that it's solid shots most of the time. Yes, I bet. I bet. I don't know how you keep from, you know, cheering or clapping, but you got to be cool when you play golf. You got to be cool when you're out there. On the golf. Right. Yeah, but, you know, one of the characteristics you, you mentioned is that they need to be committed. They need to be committed, and they've got to be confident in the decisions. You're going to offer these suggestions, but they got to make the decisions, and, and you want them to be committed and try those. And um, I bet that's got to be empowering to you when you see, um, I'm going to make this suggestion, and then it works out. So that's got to be a rush. A lot of it, a lot of the really heavy lifting and the hard work is done during practice rounds because you go through tee shots. You know, there's usually four par threes. So you kind of understand that's just the number and we're going to place it here. But the tee shots, whether it's a long or short par four, you, you make a deal, right? Because under pressure, keeping things simple and having a game plan is really going to, doesn't guarantee success, but I believe it increases your likelihood for success. That's what I've learned caddying for 20 plus years. So being able to say, remember, we, we had this shot in, on Tuesday, and then we had it again on Wednesday. It's the same target. It's the same wind. It's just something that's familiar, and then they can go through their process. And it just, like I said before, it increases their likelihood of success. I love that. I love that. All right, well, we're going to take our next break, and we're going to come back, and uh, we'll detour back to the PGA and LIV discussion, but I'm, I'm really enjoying um, hearing about your profession and picking your brain there. This segment's been sponsored by Highland Dairy. Uh, they, they're owned by dairy farmers. They've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies and professional dietitians. The ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate. They're a proud sponsor of a coach's perspective. Do you carry um, chocolate milk with you on the course? Chocolate <laughs> shakes. So, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, we want to thank Highland Dairy, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll take a, a break, and we'll be back here with Rick Grayson and Heath Holt on a coach's perspective. Coach's perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and I have Rick Grayson here and Heath Holt, and we are talking a little golf tonight. And I'm, I'm I've had so much fun picking your brain about um, being a professional caddy. And I, I do want to ask you another question, and then we'll move back to our PGA and LIV uh, conversation. But you know, as when you are, you've worked with several different golfers, and I know that uh, you have to have this trusting relationship, and you make suggestions and. I kind of am interested if you've ever worked with, don't say any names, anybody that is maybe a little bit of a jerk and is rude or, um, you know, how do you handle that when you are working for someone trying to help them because that's your job and they're not very receptive to that? Well, I think in those situations, um, which I've had a few, um, you have to decide if this is what you want to do for your career. So you can, it was easy for me to make the choice to just to, to take the higher road, be the bigger man, and um, basically say, I did stand up for myself, said, I don't appreciate you talking to me that way. It doesn't do any of us any good. We're both here giving our best effort. We want to make as much money as possible. But 
in those situations as a caddy, if you were to lose your cool, there's other players and other caddies watching you, and you don't know who this player may know or not know. So you're always kind of looking out for down the road. I don't want to tarnish my reputation and come across as a hothead or somebody that can't handle a situation because this player, he may three or four years down the road say you may – Another player might ask him, well, hey, Heath caddied for you. What what did you think? And he could say, I wasn't very nice to Heath, and he never lost his cool. And that might be one of the reasons I got the opportunity. So I've always looked at it. I didn't look at it that way at first. I've had, I stayed, a good friend of mine, his name is Bob Lowe. He's, a, he's in his 70s. He caddied for a really good friend of mine, Joe Durant. We were roommates on the road for eight years, and he was basically my guardian angel slash uncle. And he would say, hey, you're young and dumb. <laughs> Don't make mistakes that will cost you your career if this is what you want to do. These guys are going to do and say things in the moment because there's so much pressure on them. And we were all, you know, we're from the Midwest. You don't treat people that way, but un- unfortunately it does happen. So I was ready for that moment when it happened. I did take the the higher road and I said, obviously we're not going to work together, but I do appreciate appreciate the opportunity this week. You know, let me know if I can find somebody else to work for you. Yes. Wow. So. Well, I think we just um, found one big reason, Rick, why he's had so, so yeah, much longevity. Longevity yeah. as a caddy. Yeah, not only in caddy and in life. Right. You yes, know. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It's great advice. Do not have that restraint. I admire yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> took a lot that day. That is. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, okay. So let, let's continue our conversation on, on the PGA and LIV. And so, so Greg Norman, as, as Rick was talking about earlier, is, is kind of, the, he, he started this, um, this movement, if you will. Um, and we've talked a little bit about the kind of the grassroots motive for it. A um, little bit of comparison. Check my homework, all right? In the PGA, you have four-day events. LIV, three-day events. That's right. Um, PGA, you have time starts, so you're starting at all times of the day. But in LIV, you're doing shotgun starts. Correct. Okay. Um, you have uh, the PGA is um, is technically a nonprofit, and they um, – and the LIV has ridiculous payouts. I'm going to stop you because you got to be careful when you're saying PGA. Yeah. You have to say, that's the PGA of America. Then there's the PGA Tour. So if you say oh, PGA, very good. you very could good. confuse Thank people you. because the PGA runs the Ryder Cup and they run the PGA Championship. Excellent. Right. The PGA Tour is an entirely separate entity from the PGA of America. Okay. Very good. Right. But it used to be one. It did. Right. It did, and they split off in around um, 1968, 69, somewhere through that they split off. Right. I'm pretty confident at the very beginning of the show so I thought I was going to learn something. I think it's Seth <laughs> Watt that runs the PJ of America. That's right. And it's Jay Monahan who runs the PJ yep. Tour. All right, and no teams. No teams. No teams in PGA. No. LIV has teams. No. 12 teams, 48 players, 54 holes. Four-man team. What do you think about this team concept? Go ahead. I, you know, I honestly think um, through, I think they're looking at the Formula One model. I think people can get behind a team. I brought in my team Stinger's hat. Um, <laughs> it's it. it get, I was shocked that how many people were yelling "Go Stingers" when we were in London. Um, a lot of people got behind it, and all of the players are from South Africa. So I think it's it's kind of turned into like a golf World Cup. So I think they envision having a Japanese contingent, the Spanish, you know, the, maybe even Canadians. You have uh, the Australians, the Americans. So I, I think people like to get behind that, you know, pride in their country or pride where they're from. And it's just an avenue. It's, I hate to use the word, but it's just the evolution of golf. Um, the game was going that way 
whether the PJ Tour saw it or not. Um, they do. We do have one team event, the Zurich Classic in New Orleans, where you have a teammate, um, and they had had that before, way back in the day, and they revived it. And I think the reception of that probably sparked some ideas in people's head, like, "Hey, um, most most of the sports we have in this country are team games, so our team." oriented sports so i think the team part of it is actually a really cool part and a perfect example is in portland my player his clubs didn't show up on time charles clubs didn't make it till wednesday we didn't get to practice and prepare like we wanted and charles just had an off week and our team they picked him up and our team finished second so you know there's a whole aspect of hey even if you're having a bad week yourself you can still it goes back to almost the college golf mentality I can still gut out a good round on the final day because the format works. Two scores count for the team on day one, two scores on day two, and then three scores on day three, the final day. So there's pressure out there to perform for your team. They don't want to let each other down. I like that. It's kind of a refreshing element, and it's new, um, and I, I like that. Um, right. You know, we, we have a few questions that were sent in for the both of you to, mm-hmm. to talk about this. Um, and one question that was sent in is, you know, what are – the Saudis, uh, the Saudi Arabian financial backers, what are they getting from this? Um, they're spending billions, but what is in it for them? Are they getting TV rights? What is it that they are getting in return? Um, a lot of times business people don't spend money unless they're going to make money. So tell me, explain the financial piece. This was a good question. I, I appreciate Brent sending this in. Well, in my opinion, I, I don't really think that it's a, it's a money-making deal for them at this point. I think it's more of a promotion. I think it's, uh, again, they've got billions that they're investing in numerous other opportunities besides golf. And I think that they're just trying to, to get, quote, quote, their brand out there. Uh, right now, to my knowledge, uh, I think the, the telecast, there's really no television. It's mostly on, like, YouTube or something like that. But I, I think that's coming. I think it won't be long. Uh, you know, the, uh, the golf channel has been in bed with the PGA tour for a long time. So it'd be hard for them to switch over, but a lot of the golf tournaments are not on the golf channel anymore where they might want to pick up the LIV tour. But I don't think that the Saudis are actually thinking we're going to, we're going to gain financially immediately from this, but the, the promotion of it, I mean, my goodness, you can't talk to golf with anybody that they don't mention the LIV. So, I mean, it, it's, the publicity's out there, and uh, going back to your comment about the team thing, I, I think if the PGA Tour of America, of the PGA Tour, would have come up with a team concept, everybody would think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of hard for them to admit that maybe somebody came up with a great concept that it wasn't our idea. And I think that uh, given time, I don't think it's going to be anything quick. But I think given time, the team concept could be enormous for that tour and. Uh, promote golf at a, at a, at a way that it's never, never been. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about a couple of things with it. One would be what happens to the players that, that go over and play on the tour. That's no, that right now, as we know, are not going to be really eligible for the PGA Ryder cup. I mean, they, they could, they could take that away from them. We know that Henrik Sinson lost the captainship of, of the European. What happens to the president cup? Cause there's some team events that this tour could, could change how they pick those teams. So uh, uh, it, it, there's a lot that we don't know about that I think that if we just kind of uh, give it some time, I think hopefully th- my hope is the PGA Tour and the, and the Live Tour can, can work out agreement and, and help both of them instead of saying you either play here 
or you play over there, and if you don't play on our tour, you're you're not welcome. I, I hope that doesn't happen, but right now it looks like it might, but I hope they can work. And I, right. I again, I don't know if I answered your question about the money part of it. I don't think it's well, a money maker for them. The, the money seems to be a divisive part of this and a divisive variable of it because i mean you look at cameron smith right he just won the british open and then announced he was moving over to to, to live for I don't 90 know if that's million official yet yeah oh excuse yeah. me it's been sorry rumored. sorry it's been cameron right. well it, it could happen i mean it's been discussed Justin sure johnson 129 million yeah. um i mean you know tiger was rumored yeah to be offered a close to one billion dollars and turned it down um, you know, we talked about last place is still a six figure payout. Um, Charles Barkley now a part of Live. So I, the, the money is, is a huge factor in this. That's um, right. And then I believe that a lot of people are saying that, you know, you're selling, what do you say to those people that are saying, you know, they're selling out, they're selling out, they're forgetting the, the loyalty and the well, etiquette. And that's been one of the arguments. You know, you, you, they, they, you can say that, but also as a, as an athlete, Nobody knows how long your career is, right. and if if the, the, if I was going to like um, criticize the people that's that's jumped to the live tour, it would actually be the younger players like Kepka and um, uh, Bryson and players of that age that have won major championships. I would have thought they might want to. Right now, they can still play in majors, and maybe they'll always be able to play in majors. So this may not be a, a valid point, but it would. It would seem to me if you're a young player and you're chasing history because you've got all the money basically that you need, you would stay and play it on the PGA Tour. The people like Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson that are kind of winding their career down, I I think it's a smart move. I mean, uh, Phil Mickelson's not going to make $200 million on the PGA Tour the rest of his life. So he needs to go, in my opinion, and play on a tour like that. The young guys, I'm just not so sure that I would jump ship that quick and i know they're getting a ton of money and injuries could happen but i would like to see them chase history a little bit more by playing on our tour before they do that it's okay. a valid point some guys like we said it's an individual game and every person is unique on what they need for themselves and their families this isn't just oh i want to stick a knife in the pga tour no. it's nothing like that in fact these guys are all still friends the a lot of these guys have played on national teams together they played in World Cups together. I mean, it's a really hard situation to get through. But I think behind the scenes, most guys are like, look, I understand your situation is different than mine. I think age is one of the probably biggest factors. But, and again, to Rick's point, no one knows when you're going to get hurt or when something's going to happen in your family. Your wife may come down with something and you need to be home. So uh, I think this opportunity just sort of popped up. And there was guys who said, okay, I, it's worth me risking not ever being able to play a major again and not ever being able to play on the PGA Tour again because it's the right thing for me to do at the right time for myself and my family. And to that point, it has to be money that's done that, meaning if the Saudis didn't have that kind of money, it would never happen. I mean, if if instead of your player winning, Swartz will win in $4 million, if he if he won $1.5 or 2 even sure. what's equal – People wouldn't be jumping. Correct. But but when it's double and yeah. for the longevity, it's a smart well, it's a smart business move. Yeah, people it don't is. work for free. That's right. So, well, that's then a right. lot of players have been quoted saying that that moving they're hoping will motivate the PGA to make some changes. Well, it already has. Yeah, it, it's so a tell huge us about change. Some of well, those. the tour found 160 million more dollars. 
to put in purses. So uh, now That's all huge. they they also gave the players. So my statement would be the players that stick around for the PJ Tour, and I would I have no say whether I have no feeling one way or the other what they decide. Um, their life just got a lot better because a new league popped up and forced the PJ Tour to evolve. Right. Because a lot of the complaints from the top players is there isn't an offseason. Every major sport has an offseason except golf. So if you want to make a club change, if you want to make a swing change, you don't have – There's four. there was 49 official events. You're basically off Thanksgiving week in the month of December. That's not enough time because you got to see family. Now, you don't have to, but you probably should if you want to stay married right. or get healthy. Or, healthy. <laughs> or, or make the changes to your body that are necessary. So I think – there's a silver lining for the PGA Tour yep. players, and that is they're going to play for a lot more money. There's going to be only 70 guys keeping their card each year that play in the final events, and those are no-cut events. The you know the three FedEx Cup events, there's also a no-cut event to start this season in Maui. So they're, they're going to end up playing quite a few no-cut events for a heck of a lot more money than what they're playing. And the PGA Tour might have had this planned all along, but I think the LIV League basically too. expedited this process. And too. all of a sudden, these players now, who, who are young, I want to call them the under-30 crowd, who are in the top, are going to be treated extremely well. Yeah. And they're going to have a really hard decision to make. Here's something that not very many people thought about. is If, 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 if enough of the big stars jump from the PGA Tour to the, to the Live Tour, What's that going to do to the sponsorship of the PGA Tour? And what's that going to do to the charities? The PGA of America, excuse me, the PGA Tour gives more money to charity than the other four major sports combined. So what's that going to do if the, the Live Tour is successful and the big stars jump? What's that going to do to, to selling the, the sponsorships and the TV rights and the charities? Because just like here in Springfield, Missouri, Gerald Andrews has done a tremendous job with the Corn Ferry Tour that raises almost a million dollars a year for our local charities, it it's going to affect it. It can affect it big time. And I don't think anybody, I don't even think Greg Norman would want to see that happen. But it's it's kind of a spinoff of what could happen if enough stars jump over to the to the Live Tour. Well, I think it goes back to what you said earlier, and that's they're going to have to sit down and talk to each other and come to some kind of solution. So that doesn't happen. Uh, I've caddied on the PJ Tour since 1997. I've seen what has changed out there in the amount of money. I remember when they had oh. their first drive to a billion. I've caddied long enough now they've given two billion, you know, if not more now. So um, that I don't think any player would want to see that. Who made the jump would want to say, no. "Oh, I want to see these charitable entities." I don't care. Bust. They do. Yeah. No, I think but, they all care and they too. all realize they do. But at the end but of the day, your own career. You know, you got to do what's right gotta, for you, you and your family. Take care of your family. Yes, yeah. I think that makes a big, a big difference, and I think that's a huge variable. Wow, um, Heath Holt, thank you so much for coming in tonight. I cannot um, thank you enough for your insights, and I hope that when you are back in town, when you are passing through, <laughs> you will uh, stop by again and see us. Love to do it. Be wonderful. And Rick Grayson, always a joy. Thank you. To have you on the show, and um, my hope is that they can try and coexist. I think that's way down the road. 
but I hope that they at least go in that direction. There'll probably be a, there'll be some court case probably that'll have to settle it. Unfortunately, and uh, I don't think anybody really wants that except no. the lawyers. Except the lawyers, yeah. they always win. They- <laughs> Thank you, Jenny, for having us on. Yeah, I'm so it. glad. I appreciate the discussion. We're going to move into our post game talk before we sign off, and it's sponsored by Story Construction. They've been providing high quality industrial and commercial construction since 1966. Go to Story S T O R E E dot com. And now for our post game talk. Golf is such a mental game, and apparently so is the governing organizations running the game. Sometimes we are a part of something that we don't agree with, and we want to represent, we don't want to be represented anymore. If this is the case, think about the delivery when you make changes. Difficult decisions have to be made sometimes, but make sure that all variables are considered. I would not begin to say that an individual should do this or do that with their career. That's their business. No judging. But when you are looking at making difficult decisions, think about all of the variables and make sure that you consider whether it's money, sure, whether it's character, absolutely, what is best for you and your family, absolutely, and longevity is a must. Consider all of those variables and educate yourself and make the best decisions in your life that you can, because that is what champions do. And I'm going to remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins. This has been A Coach's Perspective.